Well, good morning, guys. All right, lively group this morning. I like it. I like it. Hope you guys are doing well. And uh, real quick, before I get started, I want to tell you how much I am thankful for our pastor, Pastor Jonathan. Um, yeah, let's give a hand for Pastor Jonathan. He does such a good job, and uh, he just leads in such a way. And uh, I was saying in the first service, you know, when Pastor Jonathan leads for one audience, and that is Jesus. And so he leads us towards Christ. He pushes us to Christ. And I hope you appreciate that. And so he's a very easy leader to follow. But also, I'm thankful for our youth pastor, Brandon. Uh, let's give a hand for him. Brandon, you're a phenomenal preacher, and you do such a good job leading our students. And we are so blessed to have you and your wife with us as well. So I'm grateful for what God has brought um, to this church and uh, just excited about the future of what God's taking this church and where he's going um, and to be built on him and the foundation on Jesus. And so if you were in the service uh, two weeks ago on Wednesday, I need you to have amnesia for uh, this sermon. Uh, I need you to forget everything that I said. I need all the amens back. And if you got mad at me, get mad at me again. Let's keep all the same things and uh, get going. So I know as a Christian that I'm not supposed to hate things or dislike things, um, but I hate running. Man, I hate running. Uh, I hate running, especially like I'm talking about running to get into shape. And so uh, I I hate doing it, but I I do it uh, because I have to lose weight, because I like desserts, I like to eat. Um, And so it's like this, I got to do it. You know what I mean? When we quit eating desserts, then it's just going to be a bad thing. So, But when I run, I don't know when you guys run. My body screams at me, stop, what are you doing? This is terrible. Uh, I'll get 10 yards and then my body's like, you've done enough. I am very proud of you, Ben. Go lay on the couch, go take a nap. Your calves have gotten big, you're, you're good, you're good. Uh, and, I, and like my, bo- my body and my mind comes up with so many excuses. Like, stop, quit this. And so if you come to my neighborhood, you'll see me walking a lot. Um, but um, Jennifer Daly and Zach can amen that. Um, but um, is one of the things when I'm running, I have to do before I go on a run is I have to, in my mind, stop and say, I am going to run this far. Before my body starts yelling at me and screaming and all the excuses come up, I have to say, all right, you're going to run this far and then you can walk then, right? So always looking for the walk. And, uh, you know, running is such a mental game, right? Marathon runners don't wake up and all of a sudden say, all right, I'm going to run a marathon. Uh, they have to prepare, but it's such a mental game. For those of you who have run, you know that. It's all about preparing your mind and saying, I can do this. I can get through that. Uh, if you can't get your mind right to run, you'll eventually stop. Uh, and then those cookies will start catching up with you. <laughs> y'all laughing because y'all know, right? All right. So uh, one of the things also, running is very mental. It's very on your mind. But one of the things we know about the military is very uh, mental. It's very focusing on your mind. And so the military brings you in. You sign up. Those are in the military. Maybe it was what you thought. Maybe it wasn't what you thought. You get to boot camp. And they try to get your uh, physical uh, specimen going right like so they want to work you out do everything but one of the things that the military does too is they want to get your mind right right because it's not a natural human instinct to run to people shooting at you right to run to danger you don't sign up for that and think oh i'm just gonna run to danger you have to have your mind right and so the military knows this and so they focus on getting your mind right you got to get your mind right and so the goal is when someone's shooting or danger comes you're able to Go towards the enemy and fight. 
the mind is extremely important. It's extremely important. The mind controls how you act and controls what you do. Social media knows this. Politics knows this. And marketing knows this. If someone can convince you to think a certain way, they can control your actions, your money, your fear, your anger, and your happiness. So listen to me. For us as believers in Jesus Christ, our mind is crucial to how we live the Christian walk. Our mind is crucial to how we walk with Christ. But you know who also knows that? Satan. Satan knows that. Satan knows that your mind is crucial. Neil Anderson says this about Satan. He says, Satan's strategy is to infiltrate your mind with his thoughts and to promote his lies in the face of God's truth. If he can control your thoughts, he can control your life. So I want us to look at one piece of scripture today, and I want us to work out of the context because whenever you're pulling a piece of scripture out of the Bible, you want to be very careful that you just don't make up what's going on there, that you use context. Context is key. Author's intent, that's key. So we've been walking through the book of Acts Acts on Sunday morning, and in Acts 18, we see that Paul has made this trip to Corinth after leaving Athens. This morning, I want to focus on a passage. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6. So Paul was writing back to the church at Corinth, and I want to show you how what he's talking about, and I want to show you how some of this applies to us. Let me pray, and then we'll get into our scripture. Lord, I thank you for who you are. And God, I just pray that you would get me behind the cross. It wouldn't be about me, but it would be about you. I pray, Jesus, that you would be lifted up, lifted high. Lord, I pray that you would protect us. I pray against the enemy, that you would bind him. And I pray the Holy Spirit would bring about conviction and truth and let us see you more for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 2 Corinthians 10, 5 through 6 says this. It says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. All right, so let's look at the context of this scripture. So Paul was writing back to the church at Corinth. In his first letter, he starts to write to the church, and he wants them to embrace their identity in Christ, their morality. He wants their uh, spiritual gifts. He talks about that in resurrection. And he also specifically calls out this sin of a guy that's been celebrated in the church. And he's like, no, that's wrong. And it's the second letter, Paul tells the church to comfort the sinner and he, that he called out in the first letter, and he defends his apostleship. He's defended that he has authority, that he's seen Christ and his ministry. So there are people around the church at Corinth at that time that don't like Paul, and they're calling him out, and they're saying these things, that you say things in the flesh, but when he's away, but face-to-face, they're saying he's scared. So what they're saying is, when Paul's away, he talks a big game, but when he comes close to us, gets in our face, it's like he's scared. He won't, he won't really tell us how he feels. And so Paul is addressing this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 1-4. through 4. This is what he says, I, Paul, myself entreat you, By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I'm away. I beg of you that when I'm present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect of us walking according to the flesh. Here is this. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy 
strongholds. So in this scripture, we see Paul is rebuttaling to these accusers. He's saying, listen, I'm going to tell you something. We, I'm fighting a spiritual war, right? And so my first point is Christians, we fight a spiritual battle. What I mean, that, mean by that is we see as Christians, we don't fight with our fists, but we fight on our knees. We don't fight with our words, but with the words of Christ. We don't let the news define our reality, but God's word. We don't fight in the flesh, but with spiritual weapons. What I want to look is, I want to zoom in on verse 4 real quick. We talk about spiritual warfare in our mind. It says this in verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. You see there in the warfare, it says, includes strongholds. So what is a stronghold? Dictionary says this about a stronghold. It says a place that has been fortified as to protect against attack. A place when a particular cause or belief is strongly defended or upheld. And the, the language that Paul is using here is a battle language as a sense of someone who's protected during wartime. So here's the thing about strongholds. They can be good or bad. We know that uh, scripture says that God is our stronghold. Psalm 9, 9 says the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. So we can see it's a good, it could be a good godly thing. But in this context, it seems that the stronghold is something that the enemy has placed. It's something that the enemy has done. Remember, when we talk about someone being in control, it starts in their mind. It starts in someone's belief system. It starts in someone's life. Anderson says this, strongholds are fleshly thought patterns that we were programmed into your mind when you learn to live independently of God. If the enemy can have a stronghold in your life about a belief about yourself or how you view God that's contrary to scripture, he can attempt to make you live out of those actions and those thoughts. And one thing I'll say here that I think is important to say is that Satan knows this. And Satan also will try to put strongholds when we are young. And so what he'll try to do is build those strongholds when we're young so we can manipulate it when we get older. What I mean by that is we have to guard our kids from the enemy. We have to preach truth to them. We have to raise them up in God's word, put them around Christian, speak truth, show them the gospel. Because the enemy is trying to put strongholds in their life. He's trying to do things so they will establish mindsets that are wrong and contrary to scripture. So let's say that uh, a friend didn't forgive, uh, didn't forgive him. So the enemy, the enemy will say, well, your friend didn't forgive you, so that means God won't forgive you. And he'll start patterns like that. Think about some strongholds here. Here's some examples. God doesn't really love you. That's all in your head. A stronghold that could have been established from maybe, uh, maybe you felt that way towards your parents. And so you think, oh, you know, God doesn't love me because my parents really didn't love me. And then the enemy puts a stronghold there. Or God doesn't really forgive me. I'm still in my sins. Because someone didn't forgive you, the enemy put a stronghold and said, God must be like that. He doesn't forgive me. Or the opposite end. God thinks you're special and everyone else isn't as important as you are. And so the, you're, maybe you've had something in your life happen. Everybody thinks you're awesome. They, they say all the great things about you. You don't think you need anything. And the enemy puts a stronghold of pride in your life. Because you have served God, you can say that I can enjoy sin. So the enemy's told you a lie and said, hey, man, you're doing great as a Christian. So you know what? Here's some tokens at the sin arcade. Just go have fun. Go do what you want. And he puts a stronghold there. 
And the problem is, is those strongholds can often be a way that we live our life and our minds and our actions go through those strongholds and we live, live contrary to God's scripture and to the gospel and we struggle. So I want to tell you something. I don't know if any of you guys have ever had a panic attack before, um, but I have. And I started having panic attacks when I was 23. Uh, and it was surprising because being anxious was something that was never a part of my life. Like I never before 23, like not a worry or a care at all. But then at 23, I'm driving down the interstate and all of a sudden I have my first panic attack. And I feel like death is literally sitting in the car with me, right? I feel like I am about to die. I mean, uh, my face felt flushed. My heart started to beat crazy. My mind's racing with fearful thoughts over and over and over. I had no idea what was going on. I remember being so scared. But here's the thing. My thoughts in my mind felt so real that my physical body was actually reacting to that. And so I, I still struggle with panic attacks up to this day. But they're not that bad. But when I did have panic attacks really bad, one of the things that I struggled with was feeling like I couldn't breathe. It literally felt like someone was choking me. And so I, I couldn't breathe. And I would be like, oh, why can't I breathe? And I'd be like, oh, I just couldn't breathe. And so uh, the cool thing about it is, is God gave me this awesome wife. And she just so happens to be a speech therapist by trade. And so she studies all about the throat and how you breathe and everything. And she told me one time, she said, now, Ben, let me tell you this. She says, it takes so much air for you to talk. If you can talk, you can breathe. And so I turned into a crazy guy at Walmart saying, Ben, you're fine. You can breathe. You listen to your talking right now. Like, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. Um, yeah, that was not weird at all. But I learned from the truth, the truth that if I could talk, I could breathe. And so Knowing that helped me to start to confront that anxiety and saying, well, that's a lie. That's not true. I'm fine. I can, I can breathe. I'm fine. So anxiety has been difficult for me in my life. And I'm not asking for sympathy, but I'm aware. This is what I'm saying. I'm aware that many of you here struggle with this as well. What do I do when I say when my thoughts and my feelings and my anxiety feel so real, so real that they've controlled how I thought and they in turn control how I acted? So here's what, I, here's what I want you to see. My wife spoke over these feelings and she put truth in them. And that made all the difference. Maybe not always in the moment, but I continue to grow into how to handle my panic attacks. Listen to me, guys. We have an enemy that is always speaking lies to us. His lies are to kill, steal, and destroy. He sets up strongholds in our lives so that we live in disobedience to Jesus and be held captive in his chains. The way we fight the enemy, the way we combat the strongholds, the way we live in truth is by taking our thoughts captive. Our second point is Christians need to take their thoughts captive. Let's look at our scripture again. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 through 6 says this. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Paul is first saying this to false teachers in the church of Corinth. But we can see how this applies to us as well. The Bible tells us that our fight isn't against the flesh. Listen, we are broken people that struggle. If you don't struggle in here, do you have a pulse? Right? As believers, 
We were saved, right? So our sins don't know us, our identities change, but we still struggle in the flesh. We still struggle. And that is ever present in our life. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So here's the question. How do we destroy the arguments? How do we destroy the enemy's attack on our minds? How do we attack the knowledge and lies that we hear? We do it by putting on the spiritual armor of God. We do it by believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do it by embracing the gospel, what Jesus has bought for us on the cross, locking into our identity in Christ, and then fighting the lies with that truth. So how do we fight? We've got to recognize the lie first. You know, uh, bank tellers, how they recognize counterfeit money. You would think how they recognize counterfeit money is they would just take all these random counterfeit money and they would study them so well. And that when a counterfeit come through, they would be able to find it. But they don't do that. Actually, what they do is they take the, the, the real bill and they study it so good that they know everything about it. So when a counterfeit bill comes through, they say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not real. That's not, that's not, that's not right. Look, this is missing. See, this is the, the real one. See, that one's missing. They study the real one so much that they know when a counterfeit comes in. We as Christians need to read our Bible, pray, believe, and share the gospel so much that we are attuned to who God is and who the truth is and what the real thing is. Because the enemy always tries to slide in a lie. And what he does is he puts a little bit of truth And he throws it on a lie so it goes down. We have to call out the lie. And the only way we can call out the lie is when we recognize the truth in God's word and what the gospel declares over our lives. I I help cook here and there. uh, And when I do cook, you know it's a good mac and cheese uh, night. So um, I like to... uh, I like to think of it as uh, I'm cooking my kids. I actually cooked mac and cheese yesterday, and only one kid ate it. And the other one was like, I didn't know how you mess up mac and cheese, but I did. So, um, so I like to think of, when I'm thinking about this, I like to think of a strainer. So how you cook mac and cheese is you boil the water, you add the noodles in, and then you strain out the water, then you add the um, cheese and milk in. Right? Am I good? Okay. All right, good. All right, cool. Enough of my kids have been eating some terrible mac and cheese. Obviously, they have. All right. So here's what the strainer, the strainer accesses something that you want to keep in, the noodles, and allows other stuff to go through. Listen, as Christians, we should work every thought through a biblical strainer. We should ask the questions like this. Is this from gotten? Gotten. God? Is this from God or is this from Satan? We strain through God's word and we recognize the character of God and Satan. Let me give you three examples of how this works out. So it's not just like in our minds, we can see. So here's a lie number one. Maybe, maybe this is you. I am fear, very fearful and I'm very controlled right now by this corona pandemic. I'm very fearful and I'm controlled. So that's the lie. Well, let's strain it out biblically. In the lie, it seems that you have a spirit of fear. Well, what's the truth say? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Okay, well, let's strain this truth out. You know what? 
This is from the enemy. This is not who my God is. God didn't give me a spirit of fear. You know what? That's a counterfeit. That's a lie. I'm moving on. I'm rebuking that in Jesus' name. I'm moving on. Lie two. Let me give you this one. You know, I'm really starting to dislike my brother and sister in Christ. You know, I just, I just kind of hold a grudge against them. They didn't get me this, or they didn't do this, or they didn't serve me that way. So you know what? I think that I'm right. I can hold a grudge in them. Well, let's strain this. In the lie, it seems like you have hate or contempt for your brother or sister in Christ. Let's put the truth over it. First John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has love has been born of God and knows God. So what's the strange truth? God's of love, not of hatred, not of a division. That's from the enemy. I'm going to rebuke that in Jesus' name, and I'm going to capture that thought and make it obedient to Christ, and I'm moving on. Lie three, I really feel that God has left me and he doesn't care about me. And if we're honest, there's probably some people in the room that feel that way. Probably struggling. I get it. I'm struggling too, so I'm not perfect up here. And you're thinking, I just feel like God has left me. He doesn't care about me. Let's strain it out. In the light, it seems like there's a fear of rejection and there's a fear of abandonment. What does God's truth say? No, Romans 8, 37 through 38. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. The strange truth is God's not leaving me or forsaking me. That's not who God is. So that lie has no thought in my mind. I'm not going to let that do there. I'm rejecting that in Jesus' name and I'm moving on. Are you guys getting the picture? So long the enemy beats us up in our head. He beats us up and we sit there and sometimes we suffer in silence. The biggest lie that Satan has put on us as a church is act like everything's okay and suffer in silence. And the church is supposed to be the body that helps each other. Too many times we welcome and say, good to see you, brother. How's everything going? Oh, it's going great. Great to be here in the house of God. And that's true. But in, in your heart, you're struggling. Your family's a wreck. Your marriage is a wreck. You're struggling with porn. Your job is hurting. You don't know where to go. And what you really need is, hey, man, how's it really going? Bro, like, can you pray for me? Like, I'm really struggling. I'm having anxious thoughts. Bro, that sounds like the enemy's planting some stuff. Yeah, he is. And we start to defeat the enemy when we start to let his lies. When you bring that darkness to the light, the enemy starts to flee. He starts to flee when we bring that to light. We, as the body of Christ here at Schindler, have to come together and war against the enemy through love, authenticity, and our gospel identity. No longer should we sit and suffer in silence and let the enemy isolate us. And like a roaring lion, walk around us till he devours us. We need to bring it to the, bring it out, share with a guy and a guy and a girl and a girl that loves the Lord and say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is my anxiety. This is my thoughts. But we have bought this lie that Christians need to be perfect. We need to have it together. Brother, sister, let me tell you this. When you came to Christ, if you came to Christ, this is why you came to Christ. Jesus, save me. I have nothing. I got nothing on this side of salvation. 
You don't go, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. God loves me. I'm doing pretty good. I got this all figured out. Listen, the way you came to salvation and the way you grow in Christ is a desperation for Jesus' righteousness, his blood, his forgiveness, his adoption. That is the power that gets you out of what the enemy has for you. If we don't preach truth and the gospel to us, we will be a victim of the lies and we will live out of strongholds and we'll be chained to the enemy. Jesus came to set us free, to break holes, strongholds, to break chains, to set us free. And we have to vocalize that. We have to preach the gospel to each other. We have to preach the gospel to a guy and a girl so we can live in victory. Too long we've allowed the enemy to beat us up. Some of you, that, you know what that might look like? You need to start reading your Bible. And I get it. If the enemy, think about this. If the God's word is truth, he's going to try to keep you out of the truth. Like, we've got to go to the source. Too long we're putting our identity in our job, our family, and our kids, and we're getting torn to pieces. We're getting torn to pieces. But when your foundation's on the rock, when it's on the gospel, when it's on the truth, oh, you want to come war with me? Here he is, Jesus. He's already defeated you, bro. We're trying to fight Satan when Jesus has already defeated him. We have to live in truth. We have to walk in truth. We have to preach the gospel to ourselves. And we destroy these lies with the truth. Jesus is the truth. But here's another thing. Christians, the enemy doesn't want us to be on mission. The enemy hates that we go and share the gospel. Hates that we disciple us. So he gets us to look inward. He gets us to second guess, to doubt, to have fear. And that's what the enemy does. Listen, football season is coming up. So for, to, for, for, for me, that means two things. A lot of disappointment and a lot of jokes. So a lot of people be sending me um, memes and Facebook messages. I don't like them. I'll just be honest with you. I'm just, I, I'm just kidding. Um, I hope Tennessee surprised people still hate the Gators. Anyways, we'll move on. Hate, dislike, dislike. Okay. But listen, one of the things about football they talk about when you play sports is they say, don't let the mind tie up your feet. Don't let the mind top your feet. I want you to listen to that. What this means is you can have a person that is so athletic, can make all the plays and do everything. But when they start letting fear, when they start letting worry, when they start letting guess and second guess, it starts holding them back. They don't make the throw. They don't make the play because their mind has tied up their feet. Guys, this is so true in the Christian life. The enemy tries to tie up our mind so we're to tie up our feet. We're called to believe the gospel for ourselves, but to share the gospel and be a mission as well. Jesus tells us, make disciples. But a common problem is that our mind keeps us from being obedient to the gospel to make disciples of Christ. So maybe you're here and your mind has tied you up with your feet of life. Maybe you are just worried and you are busy. And you never stop to say, well, what is God doing in my life? Like, who are the people around me that I could be on mission to? And so your mind is tying up your feet. Maybe, excuse me. Maybe your mind is tied up your feet with your sin that you struggle with. How can I share the gospel when I'm struggling with this? Who wants to hear this? Here, let me, let me help you out here. Listen, the good news isn't about you. Reading an article or a newspaper is just sharing what you're reading and what you know to be truth. 
The gospel is not about you having it together so you can share it. The good news that saved you is the good news that saves the other person. It has nothing to do with you. You are sharing and telling the good news. Quit acting like we have to have it together. That's why Jesus came. Can we start believing the gospel? Jesus came because we couldn't do it right. We're broken. And he says, I'm going to come. I'm going to be the second Adam. The first Adam messed it up. The second Adam got it right. He was perfect. He never sinned. When he was tempted in the desert, he didn't sin. He was perfect. And then he went to a cross and he died for our sins. And he said, my perfect life, my perfect righteousness, have it. It's a free gift. So now God looks at you as you lived as Jesus did. He sees you through the eyes of Christ's death and perfect life. But too long we live out of other things. We live out of our sin or identity of money, power, whatever it is. And we struggle. We don't need to let the mind top the feet. The gospel sets us free from that. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Listen to that verse in 2021. Listen to it. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And I'll describe our soul right now. And he says, I will give you rest. Isn't that what we want? Rest, peace, love. And that's what Jesus bought for us on the cross. But too many times we walk back into the heavy laden. We walk back into the fear and we try to fight and we get beat up. Your mind ties up your feet. Let the gospel set you free. Your mind controls your actions. Your mind controls your action. To the Christian this morning, take your thoughts captive. Hebrews 5, 4 says this. And before it talks about all these things and spiritual things, but it says this. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good from evil. To strain it out, right? Solid food. You don't go up to a baby and say, here's a steak. You just don't do it, right? You're going to choke. You're going to die. As you mature in Christ, what the Holy Spirit and you, what the Holy Spirit's going to do is going to start to attune you more to who you are in Christ. What Jesus did for you, the gospel, the goodness of God, his love and his mercy. And you're going to be able to start to distinguish the lies of Satan more and more. As you attune to who you've already been told you are by God's word. And you'll be able to distinguish between good and evil. And we need to grow in Christ so we can distinguish that. So we cannot let the enemy live us in defeat. But we can live in victory. Not only do we discern our thoughts to be on mission. But we are to preach the gospel to ourselves to be on mission. To live in this world and to walk with Christ. See the gospel fuels us to distinguish our thoughts. It tells us to look out. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Christ. Don't look inward. I uh, went swimming the other day and uh, was in the pool by myself. And, I, man, I was just into it. You ever just been doing something? You're like, I mean, you, I was just into it. And I was just going stroke, 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 stroke. And then I just, I was just into it. I felt good. And then, boom, ran my forehead right into the side of the pool. Like, never looked up. I mean, just... I, no one was around, but you just felt dumb. You know, you're just like, come on, Ben. You know, I'm like, am I concussed? And I start walking around. Ben, you can breathe. You're fine. You can do things. I never looked up because I was so into what I was doing. Listen to me. The enemy is always telling us to look inward. 
Find your value inward. Be the best you. That's why that false gospel is a lie. Because if you've seen the real you, you know you ain't got nothing to offer. Right? Look in. Figure it out. Get the best you. Pull it up from the bootstraps. And the gospel says, bro, you tried that and you lived in sin and divided your relationship. And Jesus came and he actually did live the perfect life. He never sinned. And then he died for you. Look out. Don't look in. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says it this way. It says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You see Paul telling us to preach the gospel to ourselves? He said, set. Maybe a better word is fixed. Look up. Look out. Focus on Jesus. Focus on what Jesus has done for you. Focus on the truth of the gospel. Christians, we have to lock into our identity of who we are in Christ. Lock into the gospel of what Jesus has done. If you want to be set free, if you want to be a Christian that makes disciples, lock into the gospel. The gospel not only tells us our identity, but it motivates us to be on mission. Because we love God, we want Him to, other people to know him. But if we don't understand that we're loved by God, we won't go make disciples. You see, the gospel tells us that we are changed. We're not the same old person. We are God's children. That we are hidden in Christ. That we'll be made like Jesus when he returns. The gospel tells you that because of Jesus living the perfect life and then dying for your sins, you now have Jesus' righteousness. You are now forgiven, loved, adopted, a child of God, and you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. If you're a Christian, that's your truth. That's your reality. Concrete yourself in that. Again, it says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Listen, when the lies come, and they come, the Bible talks about them as flaming, flaming arrows, and they're coming all the time. If we're being honest, I don't know if we're being honest. If we're being honest, we're struggling. When the lies come, when the anxiety, when the fear, the frustration, the brokenness start to creep in, and they feel overwhelming, start taking those thoughts captive. Tell the truth to your anxiety, your fear, your frustration, your brokenness. Tell them they don't have a place here because anxiety, fear comes with the unknown. And my father knows everything. And that he's adopted me as his child. And so that means I'm in him, in Christ. And that fear, anxiety, it's not real. It's not real. Not to me anymore because I've died and I'm in Christ. That fear is not real. So I don't have to let that emotion overtake me. I don't have to let that thought to overtake me because it has no power over me because greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. So I have Christ inside of me. That power has no, that, that thought has no power in me anymore because of what Jesus did on the cross. Let's quit giving the keys to our mind to Satan and be like, oh, because I feel that way, he must be right. No. Feelings aren't the truth. God's word is the truth. We have to stand on God's word, not our feelings. And I'm preaching to myself. Tell the truth to your sin struggle. That God might 
take that away from you in this life or you might struggle with it until Christ returns. But that's not your identity. It's not your identity. Jesus already gave you your identity. God looks over you because of what Jesus did on the cross. And he says, you are my beloved son or daughter. And in you, I am well pleased. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus and God looks over and he doesn't see the struggle, the sin, the anxious, the fear, but he sees a son or daughter? Think about your kids. You have kids. Is that how you label them? Is that how you look at them? Other times, it's like, dude, chill out. But like, right? Is that how you label them? No, you look at them and you think, man, I love them. I love them. And if we're evil compared to how good God is, think about what he thinks about you. If you're in Christ, he says, man, I love them. I love them. And when you're going through things that seem like it'll never change, and this is your death and just everything, think about that good father. Man, I love them. And he has done everything necessary. He has all control. And God loves us. And we need to walk in that and make our, those thoughts captured and tell them to move on because they have no place here. As we finish up this morning, I want to ask you some questions. I trust the Holy Spirit's been moving this morning. I want to ask you, what are some strongholds in your life? What are some strongholds in your life? Some things that you live out of. Like I said, when you were young, maybe it was some things that happened to you when you were young and the enemy fortified that. And so maybe you're holding on to anger. Life's not fair. Look at what happened to me. And so you feel justified to have anger. And that's a stronghold. And you'll never be set free until you bring that into the light. Ask for forgiveness of it or move on. And, and ask Jesus to remove that from you. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's a Pharisee mindset. I've been here forever. I've done this. Look what I've served. I've given this much money. So you know what? Yeah, I could be a little rude if I want to. But look what all I've done. Strain it out. Is that from the Lord? No. That's a pride. Arrogance. That's from the enemy. This last one I want to say it's really tough, but I, I felt led to say this. Maybe it's a stronghold of something, some kind of abuse that happened to you. Physical, verbal, or sexual that is really in a dark place. And you can't trust, love, or really just live life because that just owns you. And what I want to say to you is look for a brother or sister in Christ and work through that. Let the gospel work through that. That, that what happened to you doesn't own you. Even if you struggle with that doesn't own you. God doesn't see you through that. So I just encourage you to bring that to the light. Healing happens when we bring things to the light. As Christian people, as we continue to bring things to light, God blesses that. We get to walk in what he has for us. So I would just encourage you, if you have strong strongholds, that you cause a sin, confess them. If you have strongholds of the enemy place that's happened to you, get help and let the gospel work through that. Listen to me. The gospel is good news for people who have strongholds. It says, look, Jesus has done everything and, it, and, and that doesn't own you anymore. The enemy doesn't own you. He died and he set you free. 
Jesus suffered on a cross for your sin debt and my sin debt. We're going to hell and Jesus stepped in and said, no, I'll die for their sins. I'll take on their brokenness. And he did. The Bible says that if you want to have a relationship with God, you just have to receive this. You have to ask God to forgive you and say, Jesus, you're right. I am a sinner. I am broken. And I do believe that you died for me. Forgive me. And he'll save you. And he'll hand you adoption papers right then. That you're mine. Listen, this is what our world wants. This is what we are made for. God made us for relationship with him. Anything else that you're trying to fill that hole with, you're going to fail. So let's pray.